protests in the occupied West Bank are far from rare. But this week, there was a rare target, the Palestinian Authority and its president, Mahmoud Abbas. Public anger is rising in the West Bank, not against Israel, but against the Palestinian Authority, or PA. The PA governs Palestinians in the West Bank, and protesters were angry after the death of a well-known critic named Nizar Benat. Last week, security forces violently arrested him in a raid. He died from his injuries. Questions are being asked after a prominent critic of the Palestinian Authority died after he was arrested. A video released on Monday shows killed Palestinian activist Nisa Banat being abducted by Palestinian national security officers. Banat was also a candidate to stand in this year's legislative elections, which would have been the first chance in 15 years for Palestinians to choose their representatives. The PA called them off in April. Now, the reaction to one activist's death shows the stakes of seeking that accountability. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Al Jazeera correspondent Stephanie Decker was reporting at the protest on June 27th in Ramallah over Benat's death. Despite the anger, the numbers were pretty small. Not more than 100 people, let's say, chanting slogans against the Palestinian Authority, against President Mahmoud Abbas, but very peaceful. And I even mentioned to our producer, Rania, I said, this is tiny. But Steph and her team soon found themselves covering a crackdown on the protests by what seemed to be counter-protesters. They were wearing plain clothes. It was very obvious. Even I mentioned to Taranya that even I can spot these guys as a foreigner picking out uh, these plainclothes guy in the crowd. And more unusually, at this small protest, there was a big security presence by the PA. The PA denied deploying plainclothes security against protesters, but they didn't stop the men in plainclothes, even when the men in plainclothes stopped the journalists. I was surrounded by six, uh, I think there's no other description other than thugs, making sure we weren't filming. Then they moved on to a cameraman right next to us, pulled out the memory card, which has the footage from his camera. Another colleague of ours got uh, smacked on the head and his camera broken. We were in a satellite truck, so what broadcast live, and they forced us to put the satellite dish down. This is the first time that I've ever experienced those kinds of orders from, you know, what appeared to be random protesters. Uh, Of course, they're not, because it was a very concerted, organized campaign to make uh, the job of journalists impossible. Steph is one of several Al Jazeera journalists covering the situation right now. I also spoke to correspondent Nida Ibrahim, who is based in Ramallah and grew up in the West Bank. There have been days of protests over the death of activist Nizar Banat. Who was he? And what happened to him? He was a 44-year-old Palestinian father of five. He was a carpenter, and he's been known for criticizing the Palestinian Authority a lot. He was very vocal in his criticism, and he was posting a lot on social media. He was gaining a lot of viewership among Palestinians here. 
he was also under a lot of threats. He wasn't sleeping in his house at the time. His house was being shot at by unknown gunmen. And so he was feeling that he was under threat. He believed that this was a way for the Palestinians who were against him to silence him. Of course, there are those who fiercely have disagreed with him, um, but they still say that he should have been able to say what he wanted to say without the tragic uh, ending that happened to him. Before his death, Benat had been arrested multiple times by the Palestinian Authority. And as Nida mentioned, he previously had faced other attacks on his house. And that's why he was staying with relatives last week. He was actually in one of the areas in the West Bank controlled by Israeli security forces. PA forces can't enter those areas without permission from Israel. We know that more than 25 Palestinian security forces entered the house of his relatives. They took him into their custody. We've seen footage from surveillance cameras that were released by media here in the West Bank showing him being put inside the car. It's hard to know what has happened to him during that time. But according to the initial autopsy, he was beaten severely to death. And there are lots of people here in the West Bank who would tell you that he was intentionally killed by those security forces. And this is why his death has prompted lots and lots of frustration. Many people took to the streets. His funeral was a large one in Hebron, in the south of the West Bank. Leave, leave Abbas. Not often heard, chants aimed specifically at the Palestinian president. Several thousand came out to bury Nizar Banat here in Hebron, one of the Palestinian Authority's most prominent critics. So Banat was known for his social media criticisms of the Palestinian Authority and, and for daring to say what many other people would not say. What were some of his critiques? He was talking a lot about the Palestinian Authority and its leaders saying that they are corrupt. And most recently, he criticized what he said was the corruption of the Palestinian Authority when it comes to an an agreement that has been done to give the Palestinians doses of Pfizer. Nitha said the Pfizer vaccine doses, which were coming from a now 60% vaccinated Israel, were due to expire. And Israel was going to give the expiring vaccines to the Palestinian Authority. This has prompted outrage in the West Bank. Many people have accused the Palestinian leaders of corruption and of mismanagement by getting Palestinians effectively expiring vaccines. Here's Banat in one of his videos on Facebook. The traditional Palestinian leadership, which rules over the West Bank today, has always been like this. It trades everything. They've always been mercenaries. That's how they work. So the vaccine scandal is nothing new for them. And he was one of the main critics when it comes to not being shy away from naming names, demanding the EU to stop funding them, saying they have a poor human rights record. And there has been messages by some Palestinians who are sharing screenshots of messages with Nizar Banat saying that he was feeling that he was being under threat. That's why he wasn't sleeping in his house, because he was fearing for his life. 
And this is why many Palestinians didn't believe the narrative of the Palestinian Authority that he just died during uh, his arrest and after he was in the custody of the security forces. Benat's frustrations over corruption are shared by many Palestinians. It's often listed as a top problem in opinion surveys, which also show very low support for the government itself. A recent poll across the occupied West Bank and Gaza indicates that almost two-thirds of Palestinians want the resignation of President Mahmoud Abbas. 84% of the Palestinian people say in polls that the Palestinian Authority is corrupt. So when the talk comes about corruption, it's often about the very uh, high standard of living that those officials have, the fact that they all have family members in the Palestinian Authority being employed, being paid by the Palestinian taxpayers. So over the social media in the past few days, they were comparing the economic conditions of regular Palestinians and those who are daughters and sons of known Palestinian officials. They were driving fancy cars. They were comparing them with Nizar Banat's relatively modest conditions. It's a long-running theme of dissatisfaction among Palestinians. And Nida says that dissatisfaction grew with the recent decision to call off the Palestinian elections. We've had Palestinians who died in the Palestinian security's custody in the past, but the timing of this was also very important. President Mahmoud Abbas again cancelled long-awaited elections. The last time Palestinians cast their ballots in general elections was in 2006. The unexpected Hamas victory triggered the divide in 2007 and paralyzed the Legislative Council. They were supposed to be starting with the parliament and then with presidential election. Well, many Palestinians would tell you that the reason is that the party of the Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas, was going to be losing those elections, and this is why he opted not to hold them. President Abbas said that the elections could not go forward without the votes of Palestinians living in East Jerusalem. But Israel, which occupies that territory, didn't give permission for voting for East Jerusalemites. Once they say yes, we will hold elections tomorrow. As long as we're free to go to the polls, we'll campaign and whoever wins, wins. This is the democracy we believe in. This is a very important issue for many Palestinians. They uh, say that Jerusalem is their capital and holding elections in the city is very symbolic uh, and very important. But they believe that things could have been different. He could have forced those elections to be held in Jerusalem. But that cancellation has prompted a lot of criticism, a lot of frustration among Palestinians who say that The situation in the occupied West Bank has been unbearable, that they need fresh blood. To understand how the Palestinian Authority has become so seemingly intractable, it's important to understand that the current arrangement was never meant to be a permanent one. It came out of the negotiations in the 1990s, often referred to as the peace process. There was an agreement that has been signed between the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, and Israel to establish some sort of self-governance for the Palestinians that was supposed to be only interim for a few years that would sh- that should take Palestinians into statehood and to being free of the Israeli occupation. 
And as the story goes, that didn't happen. Israel continued to build settlements on land meant for a state, while the PA statehood functions were relegated to things like education, mail delivery, and lots of security. There has been a growing criticism to the security coordination that's being conducted by the Palestinian Authority and Israel, the fact that they share some sort of intelligence and information. And it's been viewed here by Palestinians by something a little bit short of treason. They believe that the Palestinian Authority shouldn't be giving that information to Israel. But when it comes to the Palestinian Authority, they say they have to do that because this is maintaining stability on the ground. Nida says that message comes directly from Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas in the wake of the 2000 Palestinian Intifada. When the Palestinian president himself came into power, he ran for elections in 2005, and his campaign was focusing on ending the armed and militarized Palestinian intifada that has erupted after the year 2000. So his intentions were very clear that he is not someone who's pro any militarized action in the occupied West Bank. He says that Israel has the upper hand, they will defeat the Palestinians militarily, and in his argument over the years, we've been hearing him say that he wants to spare Palestinian youth from being killed by the Israeli forces who are heavily armed. They raid cities here in the West Bank almost every night. But when it comes to Palestinians, many here would tell you, even if the Palestinian president doesn't agree himself with the militarized actions, he shouldn't be, uh, let's say, he shouldn't be informing Israelis of those Palestinians. And so this has been one of the main criticisms of Nizar Banat and many activists here in the occupied West Bank. So the PA was only supposed to exist until 1999. The current government's mandate expired more than a decade ago. So what do you think that means for the legitimacy of the Palestinian Authority in 2021? So let's differentiate between two things. The mandate of the Palestinian Authority and the mandate of the parliament and the president and whatnot. The Palestinian Authority was supposed to only last for five years, but it was supposed to be leading Palestinians to statehood. Now, this didn't happen, but what has been happening over the years is that this Palestinian Authority has been under a lot of criticism that it has been getting more authoritative, getting more corrupt, and this is why Palestinians at least many of them do not want to see the Palestinian Authority being dissolved as much as they want transparency. They want elections. They want to have a parliament that they believe represents them, specifically the young people. Of course, there are those who say that the Palestinian Authority's existence in itself is preventing Palestinians from fighting the occupation, what is known here as the security coordination between the Palestinian Authority and Israel. Many Palestinians over the years said that they should be left dealing with Israel and fighting for their freedom without having an entity that they believe is stopping that process. There are Palestinians who do support the PA as well. And Nida explained that there is also a belief that Banat's death is being exploited by political opponents. But she said that the level of the response at protests 
is something she hasn't seen before. The, the way it was carried out, the fact that the security forces, the police, did not intervene to help those being threatened was something I haven't seen before. The fact that there were Palestinians wearing civil clothes was something very unusual and very new. We often see them in protests and we believe that they are there to collect information, to know who's there, but for them to be acting as a group uh, of thugs, let me say, and protesters and follow activists. So there's a lot of fear now and it's very new that Palestinian journalists, especially female journalists, were feeling that they were being threatened. The fear that I've seen in their eyes, specifically amongst females, was something I haven't seen before. Circling back to why these protests started in the first place, and that is the arrest and death of Nizar Banat, what can the Palestinian Authority do to address this so that people feel like there has been justice? A lot of Palestinians would tell you that the Palestinian Authority has went too far. They are silencing critics. They are instilling fears amongst those who are still voicing out their concerns and their criticism of the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority has released its investigation into Benat's death concluding he was subjected to physical violence and that his death was, quote, unnatural. Benat's family said witnesses were not included in the investigation and called for a public trial. The justice minister also said the incident was not part of a pattern against PA critics. And as of this Thursday, the Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas, has yet to comment on the outcome of the investigation. There's a feeling among many Palestinians that the president might not be even knowing of the way the Palestinian security forces are handling a lot of issues here in the West Bank. So that he's just disconnected from the reality of what his forces are doing? That's what many believe he is. They think that he is inside the presidential headquarters here in the Mukhata. It's been so long that we've been seeing him tour cities in the occupied West Bank. There's a lot of disconnection, many Palestinians here would tell you, when it comes to the reality on the ground. But having said that, many would still say that they don't believe that a president should not know what's going on uh, in his country. So as someone from the occupied West Bank, you have seen the Palestinian Authority carrying out various different functions for a big part of your life whether that is things like collecting garbage or security forces. They represent a semblance of a state, if not a state itself. So how do you feel when you see them out and about in your daily life? Let me tell you a story. My father is very optimistic. And I remember when I was very young in the early days, when the first days of the Palestinian Authority were happening, there was a lot of optimism. People were saying that we're going to have a state. My father specifically was promising me that by the year 2000, we'll have an independent state. We'll have our freedom finally from the Israeli occupation. But all I've been seeing over the years is negotiations for the sake of negotiations. 
that was supposed to lead us into a state. But that never happened. And all I've been seeing is more investment in security forces. I haven't been seeing much progress on the ground when it comes to the education, when it comes to people's economic conditions. And I worry that what have we've been seeing over the past few days is very scary. So I'm very concerned of our future and I've been hearing by a lot of friends here around me after seeing people being beaten up in the streets for taking part in protests, they were telling me that خلاص, we need to leave, we need to get out, we have no place anymore here. For Stephanie, covering Benat's funeral and the protests showed her what's at stake between Palestinians. At the funeral, people were furious at the PA, and I kept asking them, I said, we haven't seen mass protests on the ground in the West Bank forever. Do you think, are we going to see tens of thousands of people on the streets? And everyone said, no, people were scared. People are scared. And I didn't quite understand what they meant. And following the events, seeing how that protest was suppressed and the media was suppressed, now I understand what they meant. And it was it was surprising because obviously the narrative here is always Palestinians, the occupied West Bank, Israel, whereas this time all of a sudden the anger was turned at the Palestinian Authority, who then clamped down with an iron fist, it seems. So Palestinians against Palestinians. And I think this is also what's been making people so angry. One elderly gentleman telling me, we are under a double occupation. It's Israel and it's also the Palestinian Authority. And that's The Take. To hear our story about the other major Palestinian party, Hamas, check out the link in our description. This episode was produced by Alexandra Locke with Ney Alvarez, Dina Kispe, Priyanka Tilbe, Amy Walters, Nikin Oliay, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Tom Benton is our editor. Aya Elmilek is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. We'll be back on Monday. 